0: Welcome to the MCAS Miramar 5G podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In part two of the MCAS Miramar 5G podcast series, Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Newell, who's the director of SoCal Tech Bridge for Naval X, is once again joined by steve lamb director of network field engineering at verizon and paul Gukin, vice president of engineering at qualcomm who will all discuss and explore how 5g will be used at the marine corps air station miramar to better deliver on the mission And specifically, we'll discuss how this collaborative effort has resulted in impressive potential technology innovations, how the Marines will be utilizing these new capabilities, and how other agencies can take the first steps towards 5G implementation. And Lieutenant Colonel Newell, Steve and Paul, thank you for joining us once again today. Thank you. All right, great. Well, let's jump right in like we did last time. So let's start with, again, with Lieutenant Colonel Newell. If you don't mind... Tell us about how 5G technology will be used to better deliver on the Marine Corps mission. And can you share a few examples?
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. So we are very excited about what we're exploring on the 5G Living Lab this year. We have four areas of exploration in what we call 5G-enabled technology. You know, 5G does lots of things, as we all heard through the, the news and the media and the press releases. We really want to better understand what does that mean? in certain areas. And so we've built this program around four areas of enabled tech. Energy communications, connected vehicles, drones, and what we call the digital fortress. Think perimeter security or think internal security. So I'm just going to give a couple of examples for connected vehicles and drones. What I want you to picture is unmanned logistics. So imagine a UPS truck or a FedEx truck that now is unmanned. And it's coming into your neighborhood to deliver packages. So it drives in unmanned. And then drones actually take off an hub and spoke concept where the drones are the ones that are actually delivering it to your front door. And so the unmanned vehicle is bringing the large payload to the area. And then the drones can do a hub and spoke delivery. And so you have multifaceted unmanned systems that are working together all within cellular communications so we just demonstrated a tactical or operational capability like that in july and so we showed a prototype of these capabilities all working within a cellular closed network actually from a company that was um, a qualcomm spin out a Moto ai who's also in the region and so with that we're starting to show this unlock of cellular rf signal and cellular technology into a whole new function for the military whether it's on a base or again on the future battlefields another example i want to give is under the digital fortress that i described Uh, i want you to picture you know a perimeter of our bases and having security systems that have a suite of sensors some can you know sense at night some are lidar some are radar some are video feeds and so you have all of this capability at a location on a perimeter and then how can artificial intelligence through machine learning and computer vision help you recognize you know, what is a threat and what is something that you should be tracking? So that's a lot of data. And so in this sensor suite that we're working on now, we're actually leveraging edge computing so that you can reduce that type of data demand before it touches the cellular network. We still need to understand do I need high bandwidth, low latency, like what 5G provides there, or is 4G sufficient? And so the 5G Living Lab is giving us an opportunity to prototype, to better understand what does cellular communications do for those capabilities, and then how do we develop the appropriate requirements based on what we learn.
0: That's great. Thanks for those insights, Lieutenant Colonel Newell. And if you don't mind, tell us about, and this is for Steve and Paul, this particular question. Tell us, does this 5G technology replace the need for 4G? And how can other DoD agencies capitalize on the innovation that 5G brings? And perhaps we'll start with Steve on that one.
2: Yeah, but it doesn't really, you know, replace. We've gone through transitions since, you know, the analog days of the car phone back, you know, in the late 80s. 1G, 2G, 3G to 4G was probably the most recent one. And, you know, they coexisted, you know, together, but as technology evolves and new devices come available, new features and everything else, it, you know, capitalizes on the newer technology, which in this parameter is it's 5G. Definitely what, you know, Colonel Newell talked about the mobile edge compute, that is, you know, one of the... Presets of 5G and, you know, within Verizon, we talk about the eight currencies of 5G and Colonel Newell, you know, really is in alignment of what Verizon is is trying to offer. And taking that processing power back in, you know, a lot of uh, data centers that are far away and you move it as close as you can to the actual entities, systems that are using it, it becomes very powerful and, you know, much more efficient and faster to deliver those types of applications that, uh, you know, the Colonel was talking about. So you can still utilize 4G. And as we evolve and migrate towards the future, you know, you'll see more on 5G, but they can coexist, you know, together.
0: That's great. Paul, anything to add to that one? Qualcomm is
3: you know technology developer, and you know we're looking at you know system solutions for the markets and so when you know with all these transitions you know we we're trying to look you know ten years ahead, and you're never going to get all the applications right, but you can start to get a sense of what's coming and so when we look at four g then we think about you know consumer data, consumer voice, but then you think about these new verticals of you know managing drone fleets for delivery, managing fleets of autonomous vehicles, I think you hear also about surgery, right, remote surgery, you can start to kind of zero in on, okay, where does 4G start to, you know, maybe be challenged on some of the claims of those applications and what can we do in 5G and actually do better? And so that's where we have a view of the technology evolution being, you know, multi-technology-based. In other words, you'll have 3G, 4G, 5G, capability within a device, and then depending on the application, you know, the device would pick the network. So where you really are looking at this need for high quality of service, low latency, and uh, high security, then 5G is uh, definitely designed for that. And so, but then for, as Lieutenant Colonel Newell mentioned, you know, 4G actually may be good enough. So I think these are all, always going to coexist. You're going to have 4G plus 5G. You're going to have 5G within 5G. So these closed networks that can be deployed also within a 5G network topology and serving a kind of specific need that, again, is application driven. So
0: you're going to see 4G, 5G for a long time. That's great. Thanks, Steve and Paul. Appreciate those insights. And for our last question is really what is the first step to unlocking the power of 5G and what benefits can agencies gain from this technology? And we'll start with Lieutenant Colonel Newell on that one.
1: Look, Matt, I, I hate to admit it, but you know, we in the military and largely in the government, we miss the cellular revolution. I mean, the level of production that you and I have at home in our personal lives. Is completely lost to us in our work life here on military bases. It was considered a cyber threat, a security threat. And so that cellular revolution and how it's disrupted all of our lives and great opportunities, but also, you know, vulnerabilities as well was lost on us. Likewise, the Wi Fi revolution that you've enjoyed at home, I enjoy at home, has been lost on us in our professional production as well. And so, this is not just about 5G and a 5G waveform. This is about unlocking cellular capability in everything that means, everything we've enjoyed to date in our personal lives and then even that's coming in the 5G. So when you combine the way you have the Internet of Things through Wi-Fi in our homes and the way that we are all on mobile devices able to be so productive through cellular And you say, look, now we're going to unlock all of that, not only inside, but outside, no matter the device, wherever you're at. And it's not just about that individual. That's a secondary for us. We want the individual to have a great experience and be productive in his personal life. But really it's about our professional production, what we do for national defense, both on our bases and on the battlefield of the future. And so this Internet of Things capability, these unlock of 5G and even 4G to so many things is what's critical. But as you heard from Paul and Steve, I mean, this is not a simple story. This is not simple technology. You know, we start with it's not about a 5G waveform. It's about a 5G network. A 5G network is built upon 4G LTE You know, macros, what you and I, as we're moving around cities, enjoy today on our cell phones. And then you layer on top of that with both 4G small cells and 5G small cells to really surge in capability in certain locations. And I'm using layman's terms here. And so it's going to be an unlock to those four areas that I mentioned earlier of energy communications and connected vehicles and drones and digital fortress. But that's not all. I mean, there are so many more areas that 5G is going to disrupt. And so this is just the start for us to better understand what does that disruption look like? What are the areas that we really need to invest in? What are the areas we need to create an opportunity in? And how do we become better and better partners with our industries in this country that are so vital to our national power? And how can we come together to do that successfully?
0: That's great. Thank you so much for those insights there, Lieutenant Colonel Newell. We'll pass the baton over to Steve. Steve, anything to add on this one?
2: Yeah, just to continue what uh, Carl Newell was saying is there has to be a partnership between, you know, the carrier and the entity that wants the service. It has to be there. Build it and they will come is really how you have to look at this. And it starts with fiber, power, and the radio and antenna and all the permissions that are required to get fiber and power and an RF solution and with an antenna and radio at a specific location. It is an amazing amount of bureaucracy that you have to go through, let alone the, the construction and the, the technical part of integration commissioning and system performance. And it has been actually, you know, great that, you know, Verizon and Miramar with Colonel Noel, we got the first 5G node up on air it's bragging rights across uh, my peers, across the country, let alone that, you know, across the industry. And, you know, that vision, that foresight to make that happen is really what did it. So when you, you know, are kind of alluding to how can other agencies, you know, within the Defense Department can capitalize on this, just has to be a willingness that, yes, I want to go forward, I want to partner, and let's build some R solutions, 5G, on the basis and you have to have that desire and that drive before you can even talk about the applications and all the cool stuff that's going to happen in the future. You need fiber, power, and you know, permissions to hang antennas and radios on light poles or small cells on infrastructure buildings or whatever. That's the first piece. Then, you know, you can get the real smart people that will design the applications and you know, Make it available for both, you know, at the Navy base and Marine base, and Army and Air Force bases, and also what they've learned, they can actually, you know, do it in the future battlefields. Great, thanks, Steve. It's great that we started it.
0: Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, great insights there, and now let's pass the baton over to Paul. Paul, love to hear your response to this one. Yeah, well, I think
3: as a first step, I think Lieutenant Colonel Newell is to be applauded and the Marine Corps for taking that first step, which was really about becoming knowledgeable on the 5G technology. As I mentioned before, 5G by design will meet some of these new applications. It's not a best effort. It's by design. You can point to the specific design parameters that provide for ultra low latency, for ultra high reliability, for security. And I think this is where taking that step to actually become knowledgeable of those capabilities is where Lieutenant Colonel Hall and the Marine Corps are now looking at, okay, what applications can they have on the base, knowing that they have those claims supported by technology. And in addition to that, they can also serve the men and, and women service people who are on the base with you know standard applications, right? They all want data and they all want the benefits. And so I think the other DOD agencies can really look to what the Marine Corps has done here And similarly, learn the technology, learn its capabilities. And I think there they will also see new applications within their own departments. Let me put a
1: positive on this for us is, you know, what Paul was talking about there is such a key. I mean, this was not just turning on a cellular network, turning on a cellular Mm -hmm. radio, 5G radio. That was not what this was about. It was not about cellular technology itself. Cellular technology is an enabler. It is about all the things it will enable, all of the emerging tech that's going to sit on the distant end of that 5G waveform, and that 4G waveform, that's going to pass through those Verizon networks, that's going to rely on those Qualcomm technology and engineering. That's what this is about. And we need to unpack this together. We need to better understand, you know, what are those technologies? How do we develop the requirements to them? How do we rapidly prototype these capabilities? And it's not about us three. It's not about, you know, big government and the Marine Corps. It's not about Qualcomm. It's not about Verizon. It is about all those small companies, all of those innovators, all those entrepreneurs that are, you know, generating the ideas and the prototypes of the future and having a place for them to come and work with us and us unpacking it with them and showing What this 5G does, not just to the large organizations, but to the masses, is incredible. And to that end, we're actually, on October 27th, having a 5G pitch day. Uh, We're celebrating what we've done on the 5G Living Lab. We're working with partners, and we're actually generating a pitch day where we're going to award funding to four different companies and then have them come on to the 5G Living Lab and demonstrate their capabilities so that our researchers in the Navy and Marine Corps can really understand what we're seeing that this 5G is unlocking. and So we're very excited about that day coming up in October. That's great. Awesome. And
0: this concludes the MCAS Miramar 5G podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider, where Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Newell, director for SoCal Tech Bridge at NavalX, was joined by Steve Lamb, director of network field engineering at Verizon, as well as Paul Gookin, the vice president of engineering at Qualcomm. Who all discuss how 5G was made possible at the Miramar base, and what the future holds for 5G for the Marines and the larger DoD agency ecosystem. And Lieutenant Colonel Newell, Steve, and Paul, thank you so much for doing this podcast series with us. Thanks,
1: Thanks for again for having us, Matt.
2: Thank you.